Hi, I'm your host, Veronica Thompson, and welcome to another episode of Above the Mean, a podcast about individuals actively pursuing their passions and pushing themselves to be better than the standard in order to stand out. Today's episode is an interesting one, to say the least. (laughs) Today, I'm joined by Emmanuel, a.k.a. Mandingo Jones, a professional male stripper and musician. We sit down and debunk male stripper stereotypes that get manufactured through movies like Magic Mike or This One's For The Ladies. This interview definitely changed my perspective on the industry and it really caused me to realize that I too was guilty of generalizing these men with these stereotypes. So with that being said, let's jump right in. Thank you so much, Emmanuel, for coming on my podcast today. I know we've talked about meeting up so many times and linking, and I'm so glad that we're finally able to do this. Me too. You're very (laughs) welcome. (laughs) Now, just before I start, I want to get, what's the correct vernacular? Is it exotic, erotic dancer, male stripper? What do you prefer? I think it depends on what mood I'm in. (laughs) No, it's, uh, it's really like I... The term that I use the most is male entertainer. Male entertainer. Male entertainer. There's a lot of things that go into it. And the thing is, like, everything you just said is true, but male entertainer pretty much sums that up. Okay, you know I like what I'm that. Saying? So it's like the total... I mean, you're entertaining. You're here to wow. Absolutely. To I love wow. that. I love that. So tell me tell me your story. Can you give me a little bit background on Emmanuel? Yeah, well, I'm from Houston, Texas. Born and raised. Okay, H Town. H uh, Town, baby. Hold up, Maine. <laughs> hold up. Specifically, I'm from, from A Leaf, Southwest A Leaf, Texas. The SWAT, as they call it. Um, there's a lot of. There's a man. There's so much talent out there. There's a crazy amount of talent. But we'll get to that here in a second. Okay. We'll get to that here yeah, in a second. yeah. Yeah. Um, I was originally like I was a band geek. I was in band for a while. I was in band from fifth grade through like 12th grade. I was in band with Lizzo. Lizzo actually went to high school with me and I was in band with her. You knew Lizzo? Yes. I knew her like, I can't, we weren't like hanging around. I guess if you count band camp, we were hanging around all day. But (laughs) Band camp, you know, a lot goes down at band camp. A lot of marching, a lot of sweating, a lot of playing, (laughs) a lot of practicing. I don't know about anything else. (laughs) I don't know about anything else. What instrument did you play? Saxophone. Okay. Yeah, alto and uh, baritone. I feel like that's one of the best instruments you can play. Like when I hear band, I feel like the best instruments are either like the drums Mm -hmm. or the saxophone because it's like definitely probably more of the sexier instruments. It depends on which direction you're going (laughs) because if you're talking about marching band, I don't want to say the sax is, the sax will take like a little a, a bit of a back seat just a tad <laughs> bit. I mean, we have our moments. Okay, your little really, moments to shine. Yeah, we have our supporting moments, <laughs> and then you know we'll have the few sax soloists maybe, but really it's like the percussion when you're marching at least yeah. the percussion and the trumpets and the trombones. Like the trombones are the funk of the whole like. The whole band. They're the ones who hold it all together. In a sense, yeah. Okay. You got the backbone with the percussion, and then you've got like the backbone and like the heartbeat with the percussion, and then you got like 
the let's say the face is the trumpet, but the arms are the trombones. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no, like I they feel get, you. Like, I they feel get the work you. done. You know what I'm saying? So you yeah. did band, and then what else? I played football all the way from like middle school through like I went to college, Texas Lutheran University in Seguin, Texas. Okay. And uh, I played football there. I was actually a biology major. I have a there's a lot of turns. There's a lot of twists and turns. But yeah, both of my parents are from West Africa. My mom is from Sierra Leone. My dad is from Ghana, but I was born in Houston, as I said before. Okay. And I have an older brother and two older sisters in London. That's so cool. And I definitely want to circle back. Did you say that you were a biochemistry major? Or? I was a biology major, like more leaning towards like environmental science. So how does someone go from biology to <laughs> male entertainer? Well, uh, let me let me rewind a little bit. <laughs> so I had, and I still honestly do, but I started out when I was younger with like an obsession with like wildlife. Like I had an obsession with like um, nature documentaries and stuff like that. I'd watch like sports and nature documentaries. Like it was a mix of like nerd and jock, perfect, right down the middle. I okay. guess. I guess. Band came in there later, but <laughs> <laughs> but I started out watching like Steve Irwin. Oh, like, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, nobody can pull that khaki suit off like him. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, uh, uh, but uh, he was one of my influences as a child, and I was really more so obsessed with like the ocean. Okay, so like, like the deep sea. Mm-hmm. I'm a terrible swimmer, but I love the ocean, and it was like my is still like my favorite animal is the great white shark. I had like that's where the direction I wanted to go as far as like kind of like environmental into like marine biology. But after I got done with undergrad, I took my shot at like a grad, uh, a semester in a grad course. Um, my feelings about the whole obsession and wanting to learn about them and all never changed, but something else did. It was really more so that I just wanted a different kind of lifestyle and I felt like I was supposed to live a different kind of lifestyle. Like I was suited, I'm better suited for a different kind of lifestyle. And what kind of lifestyle did you have in mind? I don't want to say, because I guess this lifestyle, originally I could say it would be exciting, but I guess more free and more exciting. more It just it didn't make sense to me anymore. Okay. I started to see a few things that just didn't make sense to me anymore, and I was like, well, why would I continue to try to go this direction when I could bypass all this doing something else that I'm actually really good at or can be really good at because I honestly, when I first started dancing, I mean, I could dance, but I didn't know how to male entertain. You know what I'm saying? You have to learn it. Like, it's <laughs> very learned. It is, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> so, when did you start dancing? January 2013. Oh, you remember the date? Yeah, I remember because there was a specific time. Uh, yeah, I remember the date. Because <laughs> the thing was, after there was a specific marker. And it was the whole going back to school thing. If I didn't go back to school, I was going to do that. That's Those were my two choices. Mm-hmm. And that, I knew, was going to determine the direction in which my life went. Now, up to that point, I wasn't making music. Like I didn't start making music until after I started dancing. And that was really just like something else just kind of clicked in, 
at that point in time. And I don't, I really don't know how or why, but I've noticed there's a few things that happen when I'm supposed to go in a certain direction. And I feel like I'm just kind of being pushed in a certain direction. So that landmark was me not going back to school. I was tired of paying for it. <laughs> I was tired of being in at a desk. And a lot of my life probably would have consisted of being in the field. But um, I know a good majority of it would be at a desk. And it just wasn't for you. I mean, I totally get that. That's exactly why I tried to pick the career I'm in now. Like, I knew I wasn't suited for a nine to five. Like, I needed creativity. I needed expression. I needed freedom. And that's what I got from art. So I totally resonate and understand where you're coming from with not wanting to be behind a desk all day. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, glad you do. Because it's, not, it's, not, it's nice to be able to say, like, yo, I did what I wanted and it's going the way that I want it to. Because it's really hard for people to leave the, I don't want to call it the matrix, but I guess it's the easiest thing to say right now. It's very hard for people to leave the matrix. Like they don't ever, they, like they get to a point where they're like, well, how could I affect the world if I'm, like they never see this when they get stuck in like what I'm calling the matrix. Like they don't get to see how they could possibly affect the world doing something they actually want to do and how doing something that they want to do could actually pay them back in the long run because a lot of us don't know how to do it. Exactly. You know I mean, and that was the that you took the first step, which is deciding that you were going to do what you wanted to do and what fulfilled you instead of just doing simply what you thought you should do. And I got to know so can you tell me about your first show? Like, what was that like? Do you remember exactly, like, how you were feeling? I was surprisingly calm. Really? Yeah. Well, I had been on a stage my whole life at that point because I was a saxophone player. I was in marching band, and I was, like, a football player. But I just, the only difference is that I wasn't, well, several differences. But one of the main <laughs> differences was that I wasn't, like, almost naked, I guess. Okay. And I mean, I, you know, like it's the, the, like it, the pressure aspect of it wasn't really there because I hadn't put anything into it yet where it would make me care as much for me to feel pressure. It was just kind of like I'm trying this out. It's so far, so good. Everybody seems cool and friendly. Ain't nobody bothering me in any kind of weird way. They're actually very welcome. All the guys, it just reminded me, it honestly reminded me of like a football locker room. Really? Yeah. How so? Just a bunch of dudes doing dude stuff like that's all <laughs> like that's all like that's all I, I that that's basically what i saw as soon as i got there there was a there was a certain kind of like camaraderie that i hadn't had since i wasn't playing football anymore that just spoke to me okay you know so like because we all have to like i know our experience mm -hmm. i was by myself but we typically work together well yeah so uh, to allude to our audience my best friend hired you for my birthday last year to come and be the entertainment which you were you were very very entertaining <laughs> thank you <laughs> and I appreciate so that. <laughs> i gotta know like what so you're saying that you weren't nervous due to just your history of being in bands and doing football you didn't really have that stage fright i guess what 
were you nervous at all for anything like just the stereotypes that people kind of have around stripping like what what did you what were your preconceived notions about doing it I lived a lot of my life prior to that not really caring about most people's opinions of me um there were a few people that I might have kind of thought like wow well these people are definitely going to judge me but there's kind of no way around it I'm doing it anyway yeah, you know what I'm, like, I'm just going to do it. Many of the people who would have judged me were going to judge me no matter what I did, unless I did exactly what I went to school for. So it didn't matter in the long run. I mean, that's a really, yeah, that's you know a really what what good way to like, look at it. It's just, it was like, no matter what, the same argument at the very end of the day would have been like, you went to school for this and you're doing this. I could have, I could have worked my way up the corporate ladder as a, as a banker somehow. And they would have been like, well, you went to school for this, and now you're doing this. And it's like, you're never satisfied anyway. You're not living the life that I'm living. You're not suited for it. So that's why it freaks you out. Of course it freaks you out, because you're not me. It doesn't freak me out at all. Yeah, I definitely get that. Like, they're not the ones living the lives. Therefore, they really, I guess, can't comment on how you are choosing to live your Mm. life. And they, they don't. What they don't know in many cases is a lot of the experiences that you gain. You have performances that are cut together, like different songs that are cut together with sound effects put in there for like shows on stage. So do you as so each performer is responsible for putting all that together? Kind of. They can do it themselves if they have the skills or they can pay someone to do it. Considering that I figured I could do it myself, I figured it out because I did not only did I not want to pay someone to do it, mm-hmm. I didn't want to work on someone else's timetable. I do not like working on other around other people's time unless I've either familiarized myself with them or I just have absolutely no choice. And I gave myself a choice by learning that. So there's a certain chain of events that kind of came from me just becoming a male dancer. I went from a male dancer to an audio engineer, a musical artist, and a strip club DJ and MC, all because I just took that one step going in that direction. I can't imagine what what I would have been doing if I just was like, I'm gonna give this science thing one more crack. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? And it doesn't mean I've abandoned it completely. Yeah, it's like just you can that, loop back around to it. Yeah, but, you decided to pursue something that you were interested in and that you felt would better suit your time. Absolutely, and my just natural skill set, like my strengths. Like I was ignoring my strengths. And what what would some of your strengths be? I mean, I've always been told I was entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're in the cur- you're in the right field for it. That's what I, was, that's what I was like, I mean, prior to that, I mean, because people would always tell me you should try this out, and now they were joking probably, and it was more so just because I took care of my body that they'd say that, and then they'd see me like just dance at like a wedding, or they'd see me dance somewhere, you know what I'm saying, in like a club or a party, and then they'd be like, oh, you're able to do this you'd make a good this and i'd be like I'm, <laughs> just kind of brushing it off you know yeah and then finally i was like you know what let's see what it's like i can't knock until i try it i put a lot of effort and work into my body i may as well see if it can pay me back somehow like and that's another thing people don't look at like the level of fitness you have to be able to maintain to be able to do what i do so how often are you in the gym well my split is different from a lot of people's because when I first started, I was dancing five days a week. So that's a lot of movement. And, and when you dance, like how long, like hour wise, are you usually dancing for? Average shift is from like 7, 7.30 to like 2, 
which I'm not, I'm not dancing the entire time, but it's like hit training, like high levels of intensity when you're dancing, whether you're on side stage, whether you're on main stage, um, squatting down, holding like, so your legs get a lot of work, your core gets a lot of work, you know, <laughs> boy, do I love a challenge. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, in a sense, it's kind of a way for me to just show off. I'm not playing a sport. You know what I'm saying? So I'm really just, I mean. You're just kind of having fun with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, lot, and that doesn't mean it was there weren't any stressful times because we have rehearsals, a lot of rehearsals. I just did a rehearsal the other day. I came straight in from Dallas. We're rehearsing for some December 12th. You're invited. <laughs> and so <laughs> December 12th, we have something going on. And it's kind of like a reunion slash big event slash competition from the club that I started working at in San Antonio. So, which was San Antonio Hard Bodies, which is now Gallery Club on St. Mary's, 2726 North St. Mary's. So, um, yeah, they're going to love me for that one. I know, so, shout out. <laughs> so, they go, so yeah, so I, you know, was there for about um, six years or so, and they shut down, six or seven years, and they shut down in 2018. And, I was already familiar with the Dallas Club, which is LaBear Dallas, 2102 West Northwest Highway. So, <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, LaBear Dallas is where I work at mainly now. Um, and also LaBear in Fort Lauderdale and LaBear in Miami. I don't know the address. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so, um, when I started going to Dallas, I was already familiar with some of the guys there. And I've actually done a couple of like podcasts before with a guy named Caesar. He was very big on doing like a big male dance only podcast. Like you know, we had a few listeners. It was cool. Oh wow! We had, okay. quite, a, we had quite a few listeners, and there was also like a YouTube reality show that he hosted. He created where we did like different challenges every week: an international act, uh, a country act, uh, an act with a chair, an act with like just like umbrellas or something. Like just they keep on like. Just different things that y'all constantly do during your shows. Yeah, and every week or every other week, whoever was participating had to come up with an act. The women voted on who had the best one. And this was between San Antonio and Dallas. So this was actually a pretty good deal we had going. It was really good. It was fun. It was challenging. Yeah. And um, What was probably the most challenging part? The frequency of how much you had to be creative. Mm. Different clubs have different like expectations. So I know you had talked about just competitions and things like that. When you say that, it makes me think of Magic Mike. Hmm. And so I got to know, like, how realistic are those movies actually? Okay, here we go. So Magic Mike, when it comes down to comparing to the reality that I live in. So see, I never saw the first one. You never watched it? I saw the second one. Okay. Double XL. (laughs) (laughs) But no, yeah. Double XL was like there were some moments <laughs> like there, there there were some kind of moments where I was like, mm. and then there were some moments that was very, very accurate, very scarily, spot. scarily accurate. I was like, ooh, wow, this is pretty man. Channing Tatum really opened up into the world of like male stripping in certain parts. And the thing was, in the original Magic Mike, from what I know, even though I didn't see it, it was lacking a little bit of color. I can definitely agree with that. That's why they had to bring Childish Gambino on. 
and and you know what? It's not just child. It's, you know, the, the whole childish Gambino thing. That what threw me for a loop is that we had a doorman who was affiliated with us showed up to stuff with us, hung out with us, and was like the same kind of character that childish Gambino was. He's also a musical partner of mine. He actually taught me a lot. Very brilliant, like very brilliant musical business mind. He actually taught me how to do a lot of the audio engineering stuff that I was looking and I was like, hey, is that this, is that this? But, um, and he was, this was another like weirdly accurate thing was that there was a guy who did music who was, hung out with. The, he with, was part of the crew. Yeah, he hung out with the, the rest of the fellas. Like, you know what I'm saying? So he also goes by Troy Cakeman. You know, it's play on Troy Aikman but yeah (laughs) (laughs) would you say that like the women portrayed in the movie are kind of accurate to the types of women that you deal with when you perform Mm -hmm. yeah what would be your biggest pet peeve you know they don't really have anything in the movie that would be a pet peeve of mine but I I will say I will let me circle back to that well let let me let me me clarify I mean for you, when you're performing, what is like your biggest pet peeve that people can do? I think the biggest. So I have a few. <laughs> I mean, we all have a few, honestly. Okay, what are they? Well, I would say I don't really like. I guess when someone is just too drunk, it opens the door for like every kind of thing you wouldn't want to encounter. You know what I'm saying? If someone is just way too drunk, there's a lot that it kind of can throw you off as a dancer for example like um let's say the private gig like i'm like like the party that i did for you like i pick up a girl and she's too drunk you know what i'm saying a lot can happen just because she's too drunk like one okay this is one thing i i really don't like whenever i pick up a girl and i the first thing she does is just whoo like shoots back (laughs) i hate that so much because it's like yo you need to kind of just you can't just like chill. Like yeah, like let me stabilize real quick. You're still on the way up, and you just <laughs> threw your head back. And I'm like, yo, that is dangerous. Like you know what I'm saying? But that usually happens when somebody's really drunk. I don't remember anybody sober doing that. <laughs> I can tell you that much. That's but, a good um, one. I actually never thought about that. Alcohol. Yeah, just oh, like pe- that being that can really affect a show and make it go from a good night to like a really really bad night. Really awkward nights can come from alcohol abuse. Mandingo Jones. Yes, that is me. (laughs) What is the weirdest or most memorable experience that you've had during one of your performances? Okay, so I guess weird. One of of the weirdest things. and I guess this is, uh, there was someone at the time that I was at odds with. It was a girl. She was coming into the club and she came in. And whenever she was emotional, she got barefoot and her hair was always wet. I don't know why. I don't know how. But it just was always like that. Okay. And I guess the weirdest thing was that I had to like. So she would come into the club while you were performing. Well, yeah, it was more so this particular experience that I can't get out of my head was at the end of the night. And she just was like, she wanted to corner me because she wanted to talk to me about something. But I didn't want to talk to her. So I was like, I'm going upstairs. And she was like, give me a dance. And I was like, I'm not. I'm not giving you a dance. I'm leaving. Like, I'm out of here. So this was a girl that you kind of were talking to? Uh, yeah. So that kind of, that's interesting you say that because I've always been curious. I wondered, um, like, how has your dating life been affected by this career choice? It's been affected greatly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, how so? I mean, it's it's just difficult initially. Like whenever I meet someone, like I don't really like I've I spent a lot of time single. Like you know what I'm saying. I just whenever I meet someone, um, it's really I don't really mention it for a while because it it usually ends up being like well like usually they want to come see you perform or it's like usually well i guess it depends some people don't like it so they're gonna be like they want to see it but after seeing it then they're like i don't know if i want something like you know what i'm saying because then they're like oh he's always around this like he's always around women yeah and do you do anything to kind of like help them to feel like secure in the fact that they're the only one for you um or like i mean because it's a role essentially what you're doing you're playing a character talking about as a dancer or as an entertainer yeah yeah true i am playing a character yeah and so it's just like how but really actually see that's the thing here's another that's a very interesting way to say it because it's really a quiet extension of myself that i can make louder in an appropriate setting okay what do you, you mean, mean a quiet like, extension of yourself more energetic a more dynamic like i can do things um like earlier when i mentioned i can just basically show off so it's almost like your alter ego in a way <laughs> yeah i guess yeah that's a good way to put it because it it still feel everything i do still feels like me it doesn't feel like i have to pretend to be something i'm not it just feels like I have to allow something to like be seen and allow it to be seen in a way that will entertain others and not freak them out. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a very overtly hypersexual side of myself, which is something that you have to find balance in in the kind of male dancing and male entertaining that I'm doing because there's multiple circuits. What do you mean when you say find balance and what are you trying to balance? Entertainment, slight bit of cheesiness, just a little bit. I'm not super che- I'm not a super cheesy entertainer. Like a little dash of humor. Little dash of humor or a little dash of like, let's just say a little razzle dazzle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Some razzle dazzle. Some razzle dazzle. So like you got to give it a little bit of... Um, a little bit of that and hypersexuality at a certain point and you have to find the appropriate times, the appropriate songs, the appropriate... It's like when you're making and creating an actual uh, act, as we call it, or a show or a production, you are creating a kind of story in a sense. Like you have the build up, you have a drop, you have a climax, you have a... And the songs you pick and the theme you pick and the clothes that you wear... The moves that you do, they all help in telling this entire story. That's how we look at it in creating it. A lot of women just see the end result. They don't see like that it's a huge story. But that also affects the dating life in the sense that it takes time away from a person. It's not necessarily that it's the women. It's really, in a lot of cases, the time that it takes. And people who you date or talk to outside of it. Even people who come to see you need to understand, or anybody who wants to know you personally needs to understand how little time you may have at certain times of the year. Because like- Like you're busy, you're constantly on the road doing shows, performances. Yeah, yeah you can tell them how long it took to get this to I, happen. I know, we've been <laughs> like, messaging back and forth for 
like a few months honestly yeah this, is, yeah. this has been a long time coming <laughs> i think that um one of the main elements when it comes to like observing the dating life of a male entertainer would be to observe how hard they work because i mean if you're not working very hard you got time but that reflects on your show you know that reflects on your performance and some people have the gift of just being so damn pretty that, it, <laughs> that they don't really have to do much but at a certain point it doesn't work out that way for them anymore or it does everybody doesn't have the same path and everybody doesn't have the same story that's another thing like you know there's a lot of different roads as a male dancer some people just have it easy some people don't some people things are like for example some dancers more is expected of them because of their look they have a super exotic look so i can tell you right now i am not the flavor of the night every night you know what i'm saying sometimes i'm just a really good supporting character and i'm okay with that i have my moments other people have their moments you know but every moment i enjoy it but because of all of the moments outside of it i can enjoy it all of the things that i do like the audio engineer like i record a lot of my intros to set the tone um i do stuff like i mean like i have like this <laughs> i don't know if you've seen it like i do like little light shows and stuff no so so you've um, kind of gotten like into more so the production side like mm, the behind the scenes absolutely that's what we were doing over there in san antonio initially we were and in dallas too like i don't want to make it sound like they weren't doing their thing because they are like they're making their they have their performances too i just know our standard over there what i remember personally was when i first got there all right you're rehearsing now like you got to learn as soon as you're new you got to learn you got to help it's going to make you better. It's going to get you seen and it's going to help you with like ideas for something for yourself, you know? So I immediately took to that. Cause I mean, like I said, I was an athlete and it was all about like team, 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 team. So as soon as I got there, I immediately knew like, Oh, this feels like I'm going to have relationship problems. Cause <laughs> I'm going to be busy. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I so, guess I didn't realize the camaraderie or camaraderie for like, everything that goes into male entertainment that it really is kind of a team aspect like you have to be a team player do you ever feel that were you expecting that coming into it i don't know what to expect but i went in with an open mind and i feel like that's the most important thing because because you had that open mind you're so able to adapt and kind of be interested and intrigued by the other facets that make up the whole show yes Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now, would you consider yourself to be a spiritual person? Absolutely. Where do you think that you got that mindset from? Initially, probably my mother, um, but it was heavily religious influence. But it was that along with like life experiences, and you know, I had my moments where I, you know, I was just like, kind of like whatever. But recently, I've gotten a lot more back to like understanding that there's a lot of things that kind of assist you on your journey i definitely agree with that i wonder i ask because i feel like in order to be in the profession that you're in you kind of definitely need to have one an open mind and two just kind of be open to letting life take you where it's going to take you yeah you also have to have a very um strong you have to have strong willpower you have to have willpower willpower yeah in any sense of entertainment the lifestyle can get to you so willpower is a very uh you know it's it's an asset for sure 
You need it to for longevity in a business like this. I mean, it's not for everyone long term, and I say long term, meaning like more than five years. Because do you see yourself doing this long term? I mean, I've been doing this for more than five, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as far as how much longer, I'm not sure. It's not something that I feel like I would absolutely need to walk away from. I'm not in a rush to walk away from it because I put so much time into it and a lot of it is paying me back now. I mean, I it, it that's just how it is. Like there's a lot that's coming to me that seems very easy, but it was not easy. I had to do a lot to be able to put things together as quickly and easily as I do now. Yeah, to have kind of things just click for you. Yeah, it's practiced behavior over and over and over. Practiced, modified, revamped while working on other skills all for this, which also assists me in other things, as I was saying earlier. Yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like that mindset is a really great asset and skill set to have because if you're able to get into a kind of routine where it's like you can think of things on the fly without even really thinking about it. That's, that's awesome. Like that's really going to benefit you in so many different aspects. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, it's funny because like I'll be in a club and I'll be listening to music. And this is also because I engineer my music as well, but, um, like creating the acts and all that. Like I hear certain things in music and I'm like, Oh, nobody heard that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Like, oh, I can hear, like, and I can tell when there's, like, other really, like, musical minds because I'll look at him. There was a guy, he went by Antonio I worked with in Dallas. He's, like, a, a electronic DJ. Mm-hmm. He makes, like, house music He's from Italy. He, like, uh, I'd look at him on side stage, and I'd be like, you hear that? And he'd be like, yes, bro, I hear it. Like, you were having, like, that little yeah. telepathic connection kind of. He'd be like, I hear it, I hear it, bro, I hear all of this. <laughs> That's exactly how he sounded. He'd be like, bro, I hear exactly the drum and the hi-hat. And the, I'm like, yeah, I hear it too, bro. I mean, like, music. Speaking of music, like, your music wasn't exactly what I was expecting. It's very <laughs> upbeat and kind of gives me Islander vibes, specifically your newest song, Women in the City. Can you mm-hmm. talk about the inspiration behind your music style? Well, Women in the City is a very special case because that came literally out of nowhere. Really? Out of the blue. So... Where do I begin? I guess I'll begin with the influences, as you said. So I have a lot. It's crazy because my brain, I'm wired to enjoy a lot of different kind of things as long as it goes to a specific musical formula. Good. (laughs) If it's good, I like it. So I have a lot of different influences. I listened to a lot of Michael Jackson when I was younger. A lot of Michael. Um... Sad to say, I didn't even really get into Prince like I should have until like 2015, 2016. And when I started listening to him, I was like, wow, this is what I've been missing? God, I'm ashamed that I haven't been listening to this man. But his, his, his and then his music was just, I can say it has a little bit of an influence even right now. Just just starting to like really listen to him. Um as far as lyrically, man, my influences are all over the place. Like, I listened to a lot of Ludacris when I was younger, Eminem. I love Eminem. <laughs> I mean, I listened to a lot of uh, Houston rap, especially like. I feel like Houston music is kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's a different breed. It is. And we had separated ourselves musically 
with the way we did our hooks, what we talked about, the culture. Would you say that your music kind of embodies that like Houston culture? I would say um, in some of my delivery, you can hear some of those musical influences. You can especially hear zero a little bit on the way, like the lower tones and how I'll deliver sometimes. And you'll hear like Chameleon Air and some of the tones when I'm singing a hook or a pattern. You remember Chameleon Air? I don't think, no. You know, I remember Chameleon Air? I'm going to have to push you on because that boy was raw. <laughs> he was raw. I used to call him the mixtape messiah. So do you see your music career kind of taking more of your time away from your dancing? Like, do you want to, do you see yourself trying to pursue that path? Or do you want to stick more towards the dancing and the music is kind of just like a side passion. You know what? I'm passionate about both. The thing about dancing is how much time I put into it. Um, I don't think I have to stop to be successful as a musician, but I do think I need to spend a lot more time making music and doing live shows and stuff. I, a lot Dancing does take a lot of my time and it is definitely hard to balance both. I'm finding more balance in music because now I'm utilizing the club more to push music. And as as I said, I DJ at a strip club for girls now, so I use that. And which if I didn't learn, if I didn't start male dancing, I wouldn't have learned the skill to be, you know, a strip club DJ. You know what I'm saying? To like, <laughs> what was your DJ name? DJ Dingo Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you really do have the perfect voice for it. The perfect voice. I wouldn't say perfect DJ voice because I've heard some DJ voices and I'm like, wow, I got to learn from you, buddy. Learning is just so, it's easy to do when you want to do it. That is so true. Like that is so, so true. I'm planning on launching more the beginning of next year. So in order to be able to, you remember Nipsey Hussle, right? Oh, yeah. He was another influence as far as like the direction I want to go with being able to own what I do. In order to do that, I have to educate myself. And, you know, I've been educating myself on that for a while. What helped out, even though it was, the times were pretty tough for many people, personally for me, I took a lot of time during the pandemic to just sit and do stuff. And it just, things work out so perfectly. And this is why I feel like spirituality is not a waste of time because you just kind of get pulled and pushed in different directions and things just line up. This doesn't sound huge, but you as a creator, you as somebody who has to work on things like this will understand this. I had just gotten a desk right at the beginning of the pandemic and I didn't have a desk in my room. I needed, uh, I needed a real workspace. Yeah, you needed a place where you could create. And I got that right at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was just like, it was just kind of like a, a a synchronous thing. It's like, all right, now sit and work. Like, you don't have anywhere to go. Do some work. And I'm like, all right, I don't have anywhere to go. I guess I need to do some work. So I learned a few things. I actually kind of dabbled in electronic music at the time. And I'm going to revisit that. Um, but I need to upgrade like equipment and stuff. So I learned different things that I could do at that time. And that pushed a lot more balance my way when it came to that and now I don't want to release that balance so I'm in Dallas actually not every weekend and the private gigs that I do like is what helps me maintain balance because I can still work but I'm not working as long yeah. and I can be at home like all right I need to like study more videos or I need to edit something or I need to set a release date I don't have many songs out and I understand that works against me, but I don't regret it 
if you just continue to prepare, you have to also prepare your mind to be relentless once it's time to like fire. Because once it's gone, you want to just you got to keep rolling. And I knew that once I released Women in the City, like, all right, it's going to start kicking, kickstarting some stuff. And I'm going to have to be prepared for that. Yeah. Um, as far as Women in the City, that was I remember you asked me about my style um, and like influences. There are a few Caribbean influences. I like Mad Cobra a lot. You know who Mad Cobra is? No, I'm not familiar with that. You remember the song Flex, uh, Time Do Have Sex? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, that's an old one. He makes other music. He makes more. He's made a lot more music since then. But he's a powerful, like, Jamaican influence. And, like, Unfortunately, I feel like I'm not as familiar with the Caribbean scene, oh, which know. is sad because my grandpa is from Nassau, so that whole side of my dad's family is, like, Caribbean. Mm-hmm. I think the only Caribbean from, uh, I mean, besides Bob Marley, obviously, is this girl who came here for ACL, who she sang her biggest song. Her hit song was called Coffee. I can't remember her name right now. And I'm looking. Wait, blanking. isn't it Coffee you're talking about? Is that her name? Her coffee. name is Coffee. <laughs> and then, you're uh, talking about Toast. Her biggest song is probably Toast. toast. Blessings yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I knew yeah, one or the toast. other. Yes. Okay. Okay. That gratitude is a must. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'll play that in the club sometimes. I'll play that in, uh, uh, you know. So I noticed the quote, life is not worth living without passion on Mm. your page. So where does your true passion lie? I think my true passion, even though I can't stand them sometimes, my true passion might lie with people in a sense because... I'm very concerned with people and just how people are. For some reason, I've, I, I mean, I'm an observer initially. So, I mean, it sounds kind of corny, but I guess trying to help people. I, like when I was younger, I knew I couldn't help people without money. Like I knew I could help people and many people I could help with certain things. But to really help people as a whole, you need money financially. Like really to really like change people's lives quickly. I mean, money can help. <laughs> and it's not that I said I like, I always felt like I was just going to make money with whatever that I did. But my passion lies in trying to show people what they're capable of. I really believe that that is the best way to describe it because like I'm passionate about a lot of things, but I'm very consistent in, tr- in being like, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, you're able to do this. I mean, everybody's not the same, but you're great at this, you're great at something. Like if you really believe, if you're sad, if you don't like the life that you live, because that quote came from somebody, that quote came from an ultimate warrior. He was a former pro wrestler. He died a few years back. Huge bodybuilder, a very inspiring person. He's a little crazy because <laughs> he'd say some shit and you'd be like, ooh. He quoted somebody name, and I wanna, I wanna be sure this is how you say it. If I'm wrong, I'm sure somebody's gonna correct me. Euripides, I guess it was a scholar, said that out of a hundred men on the battlefield, ninety of them are targets, nine of them are fighters, but one of them is a warrior. And I feel like you set yourself up to be one of the ninety targets if you don't do something that you love. That's a really, really, you know yeah, like profound way to look at it. Yeah, you're looking at yourself and you're making it because if you, when you look at it from the outside looking in, many people will just think, well, now you're basically just saying, well, only one person out of a hundred is good at something, and that's not what I'm saying. One person out of a hundred will excel to be good at what they're supposed to be. 
maybe even less. But in this particular example, that's how I look at it. I love that quote. I actually really, really like, I really like that when you kind of break it down like that. That's, it's kind of, it's like finding your drive and finding like, that's why I started this podcast to find and hear other people's passions. Because like you, like I knew my passion is people. Like I love meeting new people, talking and just kind of getting a glimpse at their lives through this little hour exchange like i feel like i've learned so much about you that i didn't know circling back like you said i guess essentially your passion is people do you think that you are honoring your passion by doing what you're doing by doing being in the entertainment business absolutely because there's several people one of my closest friends he went on to graduate school and continue that way and you know he became a uh i want to say psychologist I don't want to use the wrong terminology. I know there's a psychologist and a psychiatrist. I know he was one of those. You know what I'm saying? He was in Chicago, uh, my boy Al, and we had a conversation. He was like, you know what, man? Sometimes I think about it, and I think about how you went a different direction and how you're pushing for something that you want, and I just really respect it. And a lot of people tell me, like, yo, I respect this, I respect that. And there's one thing, especially when it comes from, like, working on my body consistently, I have been, I've come into the, I've come across so many wonderful people doing the same thing, just working on their body consistently. And I can definitely say I'm blessed in many ways physically. And I appreciate that. And that's why I continue to work on the canvas that I was given. Like one time I was in the gym and it's a gym I go to consistently. I mean, I've, I've been going there since I moved to that Central Texas area. Um, after I got out of uh, undergrad, but this there's this there's a guy who he just came up to me and I was like about to start on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Hey man, I just want to let you know, um, I see you in here all the time, and I appreciate that you're so consistent, and it inspires me to do the same." I was like. Damn. I was like, that's such a nice compliment from a stranger. Like, str- I've seen him in there a couple times. Yeah. And I remember one time I was like waving to somebody behind him and he thought I was waving to him and he was like, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, man, I'm you too. Yeah, that is such a nice compliment. Like I was just in there working on myself, that's all. But it just own. goes to show that like you never know when people are watching. So it's like mm-hmm. safe to assume that people are always watching. Always. And... If you're not careful, people can watch the wrong thing. That is you know very true. You have one moment of weakness. You have one bad day. You have one, like, it's really hard, especially when you start to become more in the public eye and you're used to being, like, on a stage. Like, it is very worth it to remember that you, there's the potential that you can either inspire somebody or um, either inspire them or discourage them. Human beings have the power to do that to each other because we're all connected. And one of my biggest passions is knowing the truth and how we're all connected, honestly. And I think that I'm, for the lifestyle that I'm living, I have the time to try to to, to try to know that. <laughs> like I feel like I'm finding my answers in my own way, because my mind is relaxed, my mind is comfortable in knowing that. Not comfortable in the sense of like I don't need to keep working, but comfortable in the sense of things can flow, and I can learn them. Even if I'm not trying to. Because how many times have we learned something when we weren't trying to? Oh, all the time. Literally, I feel like that was half my college. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. But that is so interesting. 
Okay, so I asked some of my Instagram followers to ask a little Q&A of what they would like to know about a male stripper. <laughs> well, let's see. Okay. So, first question. How often are you groped? And is it ever okay to get handsy with a stripper? I'm groped quite often, actually. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, I, I, it's, I would say quite often been groped, but... If you grow up in an area you ain't supposed to, uh, I'm immediately like, hey, like, like, hey, like, chill, chill out like, there, chill, chill like, out. Yeah, like, let's, let's get a little, <laughs> I'm down. But, and, the, and then, uh, but, you know, certain parts of the body you can touch, arms, chest, back, legs, all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Just, you know. Just be mindful. Be, be mindful. Be, you know, be, be respectful. respectful. I yeah, feel you. you I yeah. feel you. Okay. Second question. Uh -huh. What are some stereotypes about being a stripper that you dislike? promiscuity drugs all that stuff because it's an automatic assumption that when i'm not you know here i'm there or doing this and um that's basically like anybody in any job can be promiscuous and anybody in any job can do can be doing drugs but i think it's because being a performer people are like well i would have to be blah 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 in order to do that and it's like i would have to be drunk i really i actually don't really drink much that's one of the things that, like, you know, that people would assume that, like, you drink a lot. And it's like, some people do, but some people will drink a lot if they were a math teacher. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not. It's more, like, suited towards the characteristics of a person themselves yeah. rather than their career. Yeah, and then, then we have that conversation about longevity. But, like, and I'm not saying that everybody who's male dancing and who's successful is, like, a complete saint. Because that's just not reality. But there seems to be a certain extreme people take it to. Well, I feel like movies like Magic Mike definitely don't help because it definitely romanticizes that kind of lifestyle that I feel like a lot of people see or believe male entertainers to have. Well, everyone is different. I'll tell you that. Everyone is different. Yeah, the second one is a little bit more along the lines of, you know, from what I saw, especially when they put my boy Michael Strahan in there. <laughs> when Jada popped up in the house with the Michael Strahan was picking them up and putting them on the table, the accuracy was there. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's just like assuming there's a huge lack of discipline when in all actuality and for real long-term success, you have to have a good amount of discipline as a male dancer. I definitely can see that. I can see how that plays a huge factor. Um... The next question, do you ever get rashes or infections after a performance? No, but I've been scratched. Oh, like someone with claws, yeah, a cougar scratched. with claws? I've been scratched before. Um, no, I haven't gotten anything like that, thankfully. <laughs> I, I assume everyone is different. Some people have more sensitive skin, but no, that's mm -hmm. not, that's never happened to me specifically. Um, on a good night, how much dough are you usually taking home? Mm. Well, I'm not usually prone to discuss how much I make. I usually keep that to myself. But I will say that in the beginning of it, it is not a very easy, for me, it wasn't easy to make. I make a lot more now than I used to. Let me put it like that. But in the beginning, 
in the beginning, I wasn't making very much because I didn't know how. Um, as far as now, I can just say it's paying me back tenfold. And I've seen people make anywhere from, I guess in a night, anywhere from 300 bucks to like two grand. It just depends on where they are mentally and like where they are in their performance and who's coming to see them. Like it's a very large spectrum of how much you can make. I really, I, I mean, I couldn't even give you an average because honestly my schedule is a little sporadic right now and it has been for a little while, but in the consistent portion of it, just I'm doing well enough to continue doing it. Let me put it like that. Okay. It's paying, it's paying the bills. It is paying the bills. (laughs) Okay. Last one. If you could have any career, what would you be doing right now? I'm right where I want to be. Like, I'm right where I want to be because I'm going in the direction in the career that I want already. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I mean, I guess I could add Shark Week Animal Planet host or something like that, <laughs> but which, you know, that'll come later. But like, I think my interests, I can say, lie in like voice acting as well. And like, um, I think a lot of what I do now is being a dancer, entertainer, musician, and like strip club DJ. There's not really much more I can ask for at this moment. I think in this particular moment in time, I'm where I'm supposed to be and I'm moving even forward to where I should be. So I know that that I had other aspirations when I was younger, but none of this eliminates any of the aspirations that I had. I'm not doing anything that would stop me because, I I mean, I already got the education off of already for what I was considering earlier. Yeah, like I said, I might have to update a little bit. But I do believe, like, I'm exactly where I should be in this particular moment in time. And everything else, like I said, being on screen a little more, voice acting, music being the biggest one in the direction that I'm going in, uh, audio engineering, DJing and MCing, uh, production, Okay, Mr. Jack of all trades. Well, I'm just I'm just saying I'm where I want to be. Like I'm I'm right where I need to be and where I want to be and I'm very grateful to be able to say that. So yeah. there's your answer. And that I is exactly that w- where I want to be. It's where <laughs> I am now. And I think that was beautiful. I definitely feel that when you align your mentality your drive and your passion to focus on one thing and the end result is just going to be pure passion like pure love and that's exactly what you exhibit and show for what you're doing i try i try my best (laughs) i really do Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. This really this was a journey. I feel like we went and covered so many different things. Well, I mean, I had a feeling that when I finally cuz I don't I don't I don't get these like qu- I get I get a couple of these questions, but I don't get this all in like total like the way that you you delved into it a little bit there. And I you know, it's it was nice to actually share that a little bit. Yeah. You know? I'm glad that I could help you. And I will definitely make sure to tag all your handles, all the locations, the venues. 
Thank you so much. This was really a really wide opening, eye opening experience because I feel like obviously I knew the stereotypes about Mm -hmm. being a male entertainer, but to know the real, the real, uh, like the real side of it is just there's so much more that goes into it that I feel like people don't really recognize or realize. Absolutely. And uh, it's very, it's consistent work. It is definitely like, it's like looking at an entrepreneurship in a sense. We are independent contractors, but it is like looking at it as an entrepreneurship because when you do that, you are constantly working. You're working on your days off. That's just who you are. You choose your schedule, you make it, and the amount of work you put into it, how much savvy you have, savvy, how much savvy you have, you know, how you maneuver through everything is it's going to be reflected back in one way or another so i like having complete control of that and you know because at the end of the day all responsibility and accountability is just going to fall on me yeah nobody else so i mean at the end of the day it's you you're the one performing you're the one out there for the crowds for the masses yes i am (laughs) Well, there you have it, our very own real-life Magic Mike. I hope you found this episode interesting and that you were able to gain a different perspective on an industry that is very hypersexualized. If you like the show, make sure to comment and subscribe and leave us a message on our latest Instagram. I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions. I'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday morning. Don't forget to follow our Instagram and YouTube. I'll be uploading highlight clips and bonus reels from the podcast. As always, remember, don't settle for average. Rise above the mean and stand out.